0: Now it's time to open our Bibles together, and if you will, I'll ask you today to go with me to Luke chapter 2, and our text this morning is Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. This is now the fourth Christmas where I've been blessed to lead you in worship and to preach to you, and just personally, this is one of my absolute favorite things to do in the world is to lead a worship service on Christmas and to preach on Christmas. Before I came to Columbia Christian, I had never done that. I'd always been a youth minister or an associate minister, especially since last year. If you remember last year, Christmas was on a Sunday. And I don't know if any of you have the ability to start like a petition or something, but I wish we could change Christmas to be on a Sunday every year. Being in church on Christmas morning was one of the the most fitting and appropriate things I've ever felt. But today's special as well, Christmas Eve, and it's a joy to be with you all. It's an absolute joy. We go now to to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. I want you to think about your favorite Christmas movies, or your favorite Christmas songs, or even your favorite Christmas traditions. For most of us, many of our favorites... Are, are the ones that make us feel something deep inside of us. They give us a sense of wonder and a sense of hope. As much, of, as much as some of us try to downplay it, and I think some of us do, as much as we try to downplay it, we are all longing for there to be magic in Christmas. All of us want that. All of us want it to be magical. And I think it's because that first Christmas had it all joy, hope, wonder, and even the miraculous. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. This is God's word. Luke writes, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This morning, I want to focus in on verses 10 through 11, the words of the angel, and specifically on four distinct things that the angel says to these shepherds. The angel says, Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Fear not, good news, great joy for all people. The first thing the angel said was fear not. Fear not. The good news of Christmas drives away our fear. The good news of Christmas drives away our fear in multiple ways. The good news of Christmas... Drives away our fear of death. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 through 15. Which says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Because of the birth of Jesus, we don't have to fear Because of his birth, we don't have to fear death. Those of us who are in Christ, those of us who have been saved from our sins, those of us who have had our sins forgiven by God through our faith in Jesus, we do not have to fear death any longer. He has delivered us from that fear, not brothers and sisters. Fear not death because Christ has come. He also delivers us from fear of God's wrath. Because of Jesus' birth, we don't have to fear the wrath of God. Yes, we all must always have a healthy fear of what God can and will do to his enemies in the end. But when you come to Christ, Romans 5 tells us, you are no longer an enemy of God. When someone comes to Jesus and puts their faith in him and gives their life to him, the Bible tells us they go from being an enemy of God. Indeed, Scripture says, apart from Christ, we are all, by default, enemies of God. But when someone comes to Christ, they go from being an enemy of God to being one of his children. To being on his side and under his protection. From his own wrath, that is coming one day. We, we prayed earlier That we long for the coming of Jesus Christ. We long for it, those of us who are in Christ. But friend, if you are not in Christ today, you should not long for that day. If you are not in Christ, you should fear that day. But you can come to Christ. You can be protected from what is coming on that day. Anyone can come. Indeed, we'll look at why it's for anyone, for all, here in just a moment. Jesus' birth, the good news of Christmas, delivers us from fear of spiritual forces in this world that are stronger than we are. Hebrews 2.14 actually says that we read earlier that Jesus came to destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. But if you, you know anything about our world, the devil is not destroyed. He's active. I actually think the NASB has a, a much a much better translation there in Hebrews 2.14 that Jesus did not destroy the devil. He rendered him powerless. He rendered powerless the one who has the power of death so that we don't have to fear it anymore. We don't have to fear him anymore. We don't have to fear those powers, those forces in the spiritual realm that are indeed stronger than we are. 1 John tells us that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, if indeed Christ is in you. Romans tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, we're on his side, and he is more powerful than them all. And finally, the good news of Christmas delivers us from the fear of circumstances, from the fear of the future, from the fear of what might go wrong. You see, in Christ, in Christ, you can have something that cannot be taken away by circumstances. If you put your hope in anything other than Jesus, pretty soon, if you live long enough, life's going to take that thing away. If you put your hope in anything else, pretty soon life will take it away. But if your hope is in Jesus, you have hope in something that the world and its circumstances and its suffering can never take away. If Jesus is on the throne and I am his brother and I am one of God's children, if Jesus is on the throne, my future is secure. You understand how that delivers us from the fear of circumstances. If I'm in Christ, if I'm one of his, and we all can't say that. Not everyone on this earth can say that. But if I'm one of his and he's on the throne, my future is secure. So I don't have to fear what might happen, what might go wrong. Now, second, the angel said, not just fear not, but the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news. The good news of Christmas. Christmas is all about good news. But Christmas is not about good advice. Christmas is about good news, but not good advice. Our entire faith centers around the coming of Jesus But so many try to make Christianity into a religion of good advice. It is not hard for you to go hear a sermon somewhere that is pretty much nothing but good advice. Seven steps to a better marriage, how to become a better you, five ways to face your giants. Do this, do that, and God will be pleased with you and you will be happy. It's good advice. Brothers and sisters, I hope you do not come here every Sunday to hear good advice from a man. That is not what we are here for. We are here to hear the good news of God proclaimed. That is what we are here for. The gospel is good news. It is an announcement of something that has already been done. They were to name him Jesus. Why? Because he would save his people from their sins. And on the cross, one of the last things he said was what? It is finished. It's finished. The gospel is good news. Proclaiming what has already been done. What is already finished. And so what do you do with good news? What do you do with good news? You believe it. You believe it. You stake your eternity on it. In John chapter 6... People ask a very interesting question to Jesus, very natural question. John chapter 6, verse 28, they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Watch Jesus' answer. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's what you need to do. Believe, accept it. Good advice is not going to save anyone. Sometimes good advice preaching is called moralism. Be a good person. Be a good person. That's essentially what what, what the preacher says. Be a good person. And then you walk out of there with, okay, I got got a rule to go follow. Be a good person. It's moralism. But it's it's once been said moralism is like giving a starving man a cookbook. Moralism is. Good advice cannot save anyone. Good advice is telling people what they should or should not do. Good news is all about what has already been done. Good advice lays burdens on people. Good news takes burdens off. Good advice encourages people to try and save themselves. Good news takes the focus off of us and places it on the one who actually can save us. The gospel is good news. Christmas is good news. Third, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. The glorious truths of the Christmas story bring joy to those who hear. It brings joy to all those who hear. Excuse me. Ponder with me for just a moment the words of R.G. Lee. I think this is the greatest quote about Christmas ever outside of the Bible. Listen to this. Christ, who in eternity rested motherless upon the father's bosom and in time rested fatherless upon a woman's bosom, clasping the ancient of days who had become the infant of days. What deep descent from the heights of glory to the depths of shame, from the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth, from exaltation to humiliation, from the throne to the tree, from dignity to debasement, from worship to wrath, from the halls of heaven to the nails of earth, from the coronation to the curse, from the glory place to the gory place. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms. No place for him who made and knows all places. Oh, the deep humiliation of the creator, born of the creature, woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot ascend to him, he descends to us. Does that not give you joy this morning? J.I. Packer once wrote that nothing in all of the stories of fiction is so marvelous as the incarnation. The fact that God became a man. And if you think about it for long enough, he's exactly right. There's no made up story in all of fiction, in all of literature, in all of movies. That is more amazing and marvelous than the fact that God actually became a man. It gives us wonder. And it's so amazing that in every other story, we find allusions back to this story because it is indeed the story of all stories. It gives us joy because it was not just a display of glory. It was a rescue operation. It gives us joy because it shows us salvation is not by works, but by grace through faith. The, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus gives us joy Because we can be forgiven. It gives us joy because the gospel makes us right with God. And it gives us joy because it shows us this life is not all there is. It's good news of great joy. But it is good news of great joy, finally, for all people. For all people. The good news of Christmas is for all people. Not just the privileged few. We are used to accepting that some things in this world are only for the privileged few. Only the the rich have access to to that. Only the powerful or the influential have access to that. But not the good news of Christmas. This news came to lowly shepherds. Jesus came to a lowly young woman and her fiancé who were from a lowly town. Remember when Nathanael asked Philip about Jesus? Philip was telling Nathanael, come see the Messiah, and and he's from Nazareth. And Nathanael says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Their town was a joke. That's where they were from. This is for all people, not the privileged few. The greatest gift in the world is not only for the rich. The greatest gift in the world is not only for the wise. It is not only for the influential. The greatest gift in the world is not only for the respectable in society. It is not only for the especially good or the especially righteous. It is for all people. And so no matter what you came in here thinking about yourself this morning, the good news of Christmas is for you. It's for you. It's for everyone. It has often been said that no one is so good that they don't need to be saved by this Messiah. But it's also been said, no one is so bad that they are beyond his saving, that they are beyond his grace. This is for everyone, for all people. But I want to end with focusing your attention on one word that the angel said, behold, behold, behold. What does that mean? We don't use that word very often today. Behold. I I don't drive down the road and say to my kids, behold, McDonald's. Right? No. We don't use that word very often, but behold means look, gaze at this, treasure it, meditate upon it. Look at Luke 2, verse 19. We're already in Luke 2. Look at 2, verse 19. Luke 2, verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. All of the things that were happening around Christmas. Mary Mary had the the wherewithal to stop and ponder and treasure them and hold them in her heart. Think about them and meditate on them and take joy from them. That is what we are to do. We tell this story again and again and again and again every single year. It never changes. It's always compelling. It's always beautiful. It satisfies our hearts every time. And really all that's left to say about it is, Behold it. Behold it. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're trying to do right here, right now. We're trying to behold it. But you need much more than a 20-minute sermon once a year for the gospel to take root. You need much more than a 20-minute sermon once a year to behold the truth of the Incarnation and of Christmas. You need to stare at it for the rest of your life. You need to again and again and again be reminded of it. If you were to boil the purpose of Christmas down to one single verse in the entire Bible, it might be 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That is the purpose of Christmas. So that, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The Christmas story is only the beginning of God's great rescue operation. Jesus was born to die. And he was born to die for you. He was born to die for you. And so the Christmas story, the incarnation, is not simply something to marvel at because of its mystery. It is that. But it's something that should lead us to worship because of God's love and his grace toward us. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas? Do you love this time of year? Do you you love the Christmas story? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, the only way to truly honor what God did at Christmas is to accept his gift. To accept his gift. That's the only way to truly honor what God did to make Christmas happen, is to accept his gift. This means coming to Jesus for salvation, because that was the whole point of Christmas. The whole point of Christmas is to give you an opportunity to have your sins really and truly forgiven. And so that you could be protected from the coming wrath of God. That is the whole point of Christmas. Someone's watch alarm is going off. <laughs> so I, be, I bet somebody doesn't even hear it all the way. That happens. Okay, But think about it. The point of Christmas. Don't listen to that watch alarm. Listen to this. Listen to what Satan doesn't want you to hear and doesn't want you to focus on. That you will waste the gift of Christmas... If you do not accept the gift. That Christmas is not Christmas apart from that gift. And to to refuse to accept God's gift but to celebrate Christmas makes no sense at all. The whole reason for Christmas is that God sent his son so that any who would put their faith in him could have eternal life. They could have their sins forgiven. They could be made right with God. He sent Jesus so that you could so that the possibility existed for you to be saved from your sins if you accept his gift and give your life to Jesus. Don't waste the gift. Don't turn away from the gift. Don't make a mockery of the gift. The only way to truly honor what God did in giving his son is to accept it. The only way to truly honor Christmas is to accept him as your Savior and your Lord. And so that's where we end today. Right now we're going to do what we do every week here at Columbia Christian. We're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to spend some time in silent, individual prayer. And we ask during this time that you go to the Lord and you speak to him in response to what he has just spoken to you. We just heard from God. Now let's let him hear from us. Pour your heart out to God in response to this good news that we have just heard from his word. And then after we pray for just a few moments, we'll come back together and we'll have our invitation time. Let's pray.